1: Welcome to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. You are in for a treat in episode 71. We talk with our great friend, Justin McKay. But before we get to that conversation and that content, I'm going to remind you to go over and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. If you're new to our podcast, we are glad you're along for the ride. And uh, our mission is to encourage and equip local church leaders to better lead in the church. And so I want to remind you of one more thing before we get to the conversation, and that is we still have our bribe to subscribe contest going on. You can win a free iPad just by entering our contest. Uh, you can go over to churchleadershippodcast.com, top right, you'll see the bribe to subscribe link, all the details on how to enter for your chance to win a, an iPad are there. Now here is this week's episode.
0: On this week's episode of the podcast, as Mark mentioned earlier, we have our good friend Justin McKay. Justin serves in the Denver, Colorado area. He is a a pastor and working on planting a church there with the SIN Network in the Denver, Colorado area. So Justin, we are so glad you could be on the podcast with us this week. Well, this is an exciting opportunity to
2: be with you guys today. Thanks for having me.
1: So Justin and I uh, met you know, I don't even remember how long ago it was, Justin, but we met at a Chick-fil-A uh, because yeah. we have some common uh, friends and common friends. Uh, yeah. backgrounds, I guess. We right. served at the same place in a different time, a yep. different time. But uh, so God connected us that way. And man, yep. he, he melded our hearts together. Well,
0: and it's no surprise you met at Chick-fil-A. I of mean, course. How, how could God not honor and bless that?
1: Christian chicken. That's yeah. right. Yeah. relationship
0: performed so, um, over over chicken biscuits. That's that's exactly
2: it's the, the best gospel. Ones. It's
0: the gospel bird.
2: That's I'm right. It's so the gospel right. So,
1: bird. So we met before you went to Colorado, but yes. but really, Justin, I want us to talk a little bit about some of your story because uh, what I want the folks listening to to know is, or watching on YouTube, uh, that you were a worship pastor and yep. that was your calling, that was your career, but now you're mm-hmm. you're a, you're a lead pastor slash church planter. So talk about that transition and how God led you to that.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And it was a 10-year journey. And uh, I'm 34 and started vocational ministry probably when I was 24 years old. I'm 34, and I started when I was 24. And I got introduced to leading worship early, kind of in my teenage years, but saw that as my calling and career in my 20s. Started in Lexington, Kentucky, where I found out that that leading worship was more than just music. It was actually pastoring people and God really affirmed that in my heart. And then I just became more interested in just the workings of the church, you know, and then I found myself becoming a generalist. And then I went from Birmingham to take a job there and then moved to Nashville and took a job there. And It was right in Nashville, right uh, when my wife and I moved there, we took a, a honeymoon to Denver, Colorado, and we were literally driving around the streets there on Denver on our first day in awe of the mountains. I'd never seen mountains that big in my life. But also simultaneously on that first day, we were driving around and said both to each other, where are all the churches? You know, coming from the South, where there's a church on every block and you see these huge mega churches. That was not the case for Denver. There's certainly churches out here, but not to the measure of what I experienced in my past. And that started this journey of realizing that the West Uh, in particularly, is like a pre-Christian place. It's a lost place. It's a gospel desert. And so I come back, still leading worship, still enthused about that, but still couldn't like kick this kind of thought of that they needed more churches and it was a gospel desert. Got connected with a missionary out there, supported him financially. And then he kind of planted some seeds in my heart in my brain of thinking, hey, maybe you could be a part of this. Well, I laid that to rest after a Christmas program or two. You know, that, that <laughs> takes, that takes your, your mind and focus as a worship leader. But I couldn't kick this. And I, I found myself reading more books about evangelism, discipleship, than I was actually playing my guitar. And I found myself more interested in those things than I was, than I was about worship. And I kind of said all these things to a mentor. And he said, Justin, you might be a church planter. And Hmm. I said, wait a minute. I don't think – I don't know about that because church planters – Don't you
0: put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. (laughs) Don't don't you do
2: that. Because up to that point, my experience with church planters were like kind of schmarmy, kind of guys that couldn't make it in their own churches. And so I I thought it was like these rogue guys, but I had to stand corrected because church planters actually, if healthy, are sent from a local church, are spirit-filled they're apostolic. They have a heart for an unreached place. And I was like, if that's what a church planner is, that's me. And I, yep. I, I want to do that. And every, every job I've ever taken in ministry has been something that where you've had to build it from scratch or rebuild it. And I just have that kind of DNA of starting something from scratch or building from the ground up. And so that, that sounded like me. And so when we thought about where and how, uh, we just couldn't kick Denver. And when you think about church planting, you you think about two things. Where do you want to live, right? And where is there a need? And so we just couldn't shake the fact that we wanted to live in Denver because we just fell in love with it in our honeymoon. And there was an obvious need. And so I made that transition from worship pastor to church planter. And it's been a great transition. And one practical thing that we've done is that our first year here in this church planting journey is I needed a transition here. And so God led me to make a decision to take on a residency that allows me to kind of transition out of worship, become more pastoral in terms of uh, thinking and leadership, but also assessing culture rather than parachute dropping in. So there's a lot of details in between that, but that's kind of the, the macro version of that, that transition and, and transformation.
0: That's awesome. Well, Mark and I know you well enough. Everything you said, I mean, we affirm that. We affirm your your, your calling as far as uh, experiencing your ability to to teach and your entrepreneurial spirit. We we see all those things. Uh, but I would just suggest that maybe you make some kind of a broad statement saying. Uh, to anybody who's considering getting married or planning on getting married soon to really consider where their honeymoon is. It's <laughs> important. Yeah, yes, very <laughs> important. Life changing. You might end up living and yeah. pasturing where you honeymoon. <laughs> That's right. You Never doubt.
2: Exactly.
0: Yes. Well Yes the the church planting world and, and the the church revitalization world are are part of what Mark and I are you know right in the middle of with friends or experience in our past and all that and it's it's a tough thing it's not an easy thing and and you being in this phase of your life we know that's hard but especially being in Denver you mentioned that I, I know you living in the South and 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 even serving in our context of here of the the buckle of the Bible Belt yeah. Tell us a little bit about the culture there as far as what ways you're seeing churches, uh, be successful, especially right now in the midst of everything that's going on, but be successful in reaching an unreached population. Uh, you know, it's almost like a pioneering type work that a lot of churches are doing here. You can throw a rock and hit a church there. You can shoot a rifle and not hit one. So (laughs) tell us kind of how, how you do that and what your, what your process is to prepare, to plan a church there and how that might be a little different here in the, in the right. southeast.
2: Well, I think the number one thing is the culture here out west is a pre-Christian culture. And so one thing you have to just understand from day one is people aren't looking for a church. You know, in the south people look for a church. They they that's one of the one things that you did if you moved from one city to another is where is our next church home. That's just not true in Denver. That is not like a focal point of culture here. And so just assuming that people are looking for a church and then strategizing your church planning strategy by saying, hey, let's go get a storefront or a building or a school and build it and they'll come, that's just not going to happen. And so what's going to happen here is it's very relationally based. And But what precedes relationships is a culture of prayer. And Mm -hmm. literally, this is a declaration of war. Uh, My Sin City missionary says this all the time, Dave Howarth. Uh, you better, if you want to plant a church that is sustaining and that actually sticks to landing and sees traction post your plant and landing is you have to have a culture of prayer because literally this is souls and you're praying that the enemy uh, has no more foothold in the lives of these people and that the spirit of God changes the hearts and affections for these people. And so that's the biggest thing. So rather than relying on methods or program or sermon series, we have been relying on prayer and just genuine relationships with people. I know that sounds so elementary, but it's the thing that's working. And you just have to be there with people. And the other thing is people are kind of generally, uh, they're nice here, but in terms of like actually engaging in authentic relationships, uh, that's a little bit slower here. So it's not like a mean culture. People are nice, But in terms of letting you into their lives or letting you into their homes, that's a slower process. And so you have to play the long game, and then you're praying that God would allow you the opportunity uh, to be there for them when the bottom drops out. And so you're looking for the moment to share the gospel or be there in a compassionate, compassionate way when there are broken hearts. And that's when people are receptive to it. So it's just a little bit different in terms of planting is is the gathering, the big launch that maybe that you would probably assume that you would have in the south of 200, 300 people on your launch Sunday. That's just not gonna happen here. And you have to kind of change the scorecard. Uh, if you have 100 people in your congregation in by year two, that is deemed as a success. That's a huge marker. And the other thing is you're competing with the Rocky Mountains. You're competing with recreation. (laughs) That's a beautiful thing out here. It's God's glory and creation. Uh, But convincing someone to wake up early, get their kids ready, come to church on Sunday morning, to listen to a bunch of stuff they don't know about, that's going to be a hard sell compared to the Rocky Mountains, compared to skiing. And so we've got to just pray for the Spirit of God to change hearts. And how do we tailor and contextualize our methods and how we reach them? It's just a little bit different. I hope that, uh, that answers your question.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think in, in describing the difference, you've also described a little bit how it should be similar. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's going to look different, but the focus should be, should be people's lives, right? Relationships. Right. Whether you're planting a church, whether you're, whether you're revitalizing a church, whether you're in an established church, that should be the focus. Uh, So let me ask this question because, you know, we're we're still in this you know COVID world, and and I guess we'll say this for a long time. Um, But you 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 and I and Andy are in a a pastors huddle together every week, and so we've got we've been able to hear the stories uh, of how God is using you, even in the middle of this, uh, to to begin to build. Relationships and to leverage it for the sake of the gospel. So, uh, talk to us a little bit how God has used this time. It's kind of like a pause to to continue to build into the lives of people, though.
2: Yeah, that's great. Well, in two ways, you know, the residency that I mentioned earlier at Front Range Church here in Castle Rock, um, they are a church plan of six years. I think going on seven years, uh, maybe I can't remember, but. Uh, But but prior to COVID, our lead pastor and his team had a passion and a track record of doing things for the community. Um, And so when the tragedy happened of COVID in terms of people being laid off and things just kind of hitting the fan, um, city leaders uh, called our church called our team and said, hey, can you help with these things? Schools called our church. And so what I realized, number one there, is we reach the community before crisis happens. Because when a crisis does happen, when the community actually needs to lean into the church, we want to be the one that calls. Uh, We want to be the church that gets the call because we have a proven track record. So what I've learned is that you have to be for the community, for the people from day one. Do you love the people around you? Are you serving in ways? And are you doing the things that nobody else wants to do? Uh, They tell stories of the community uh, kind of lamented of other previous church plants that that wanted to be a part of the community parade, but didn't want to clean up afterwards. And so Uh our church said, hey, we, we want to be in the parade, but we're also we're going to clean up confetti afterwards. And so it's those little things that say we really are for this place that allows you for when a COVID happens to really have influence in that. And so what I've learned moving forward, where God lands us, when we plant here in the city, are we for our neighbors? Are we literally doing that daily and when it, when nobody's watching too? And so that's the, the first thing. And I think secondly, with COVID, it's really caused us to look at our physical neighbors We live in an apartment like you know your classic big box apartments we've never lived in those before and so we're kind of learning how to live in those but it's harder to see people like you don't have windows outside to see when people are coming in and going out so you can't really catch people unless you're coming in or coming out and so we've been really intentional. So within every interaction, walking by somebody in our apartments, we, we try to stop and, and engage them. And we have a list on, on my computer and Lacey has it on her phone of every person in our apartment complex that we know by name. and We pray for them daily. And then we're praying. Uh, we have a prayer team that's praying for those people as well, that God would give us an open door for a next step. And uh, it's a little bit longer game than I would like it to be. But that's just the kind of context that we're in, and so I try I try to pray for opportunities to let people know what I'm doing, why I'm here, and then engage their spirituality and the receptivity to the gospel. And uh, but the biggest thing is, are you uh, bringing the goodness of just what the gospel does horizontally to all people? And so my wife does an incredible job with this. Not only do we pray for them, but we we leave, leave little gifts and notes and stuff for um, for them. And, um, and we just kind of meet them where they are uh, on a regular basis and just kind of build relationships. Sorry, somebody was knocking at my door. So I got a little distracted. So Oh, that's all, that's all
0: good. It's life. Well, uh, life. what you're talking about as far as, uh, preparing to plant a church and to, to minister to your community and to pour, pour into people. Like you, you mentioned earlier, God's kind of giving you a heart to do that. Uh, Mark and I've quoted this and read this and talked about this several times, but in church planting, if your intention is just to plant a church, very rarely will you get disciples out of that. But if your intention going in is to make disciples, you will end up with a church. And what you're talking about doing is exactly that. Like uh, in the background of having an organized group of people with programs, uh, that's, that's something that's secondary to sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with those in need and ministering to real needs. And through doing that, uh, God's going to, God's going to bless that. That's right.
2: So, well, so try I, to go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say uh, a guy from our, our beloved state of Alabama, uh, Vance Pittman, who planted Hope Church out in Las Vegas says this, he's begging church planters to rethink reoriented what they're doing. And oftentimes we plant our church Uh, make disciples and then engage our city. And he's saying, we've got to flip it. We have to engage our city and meet people so we can disciple them. That then plants the church. It's a totally different, it's It's the biblical, it's the biblical way. Uh, That's what Paul did. And the apostles did when they engaged into a new community or city is that that's how they did it. That's how churches were planted. And oftentimes we want to parachute drop in and, um, and then engage people, engage the city later. So, but yeah.
0: Well, to, to not to try and change the subject or, or turn or anything, but you, you mentioned something earlier that God kind of birthed in you a desire as a worship pastor, not just to read and study, but to pour into people and invest into people. And right. that was kind of your one of your big indicators, uh, a Kairos moment for you to see that God was leading you to do something, not that worship leadership is less important than being a church planner or a lead pastor or whatever, but just real quickly, tell us kind of where you are now in, in how God has encouraged you or some things that's happened since you've transitioned from being the worship guy to now you are in the process of preparing to be the lead pastor guy. Uh, Real quickly, just kind of tell us how that is and how that's going. Uh,
2: so if I hear you right, just how am I, how is God affirming that, encouraging that, the transition? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh,
0: because there may be somebody listening right now who that might be on their mind. Like maybe they're, they're sensing this this un, unrested uh, yeah. call that maybe they're not as happy doing what they're doing now as they've always been. And maybe God's leading them to do something else.
2: Mm-mm. Well, I would say to that person, and for me, it was one of those things when you enter the church planting journey and you seek counsel from people above you that have done it before or that are going to lead you, they always continually ask, Are you called? Are you called? Are you called? To make sure that you're called. And one of the things that has affirmed my calling is I couldn't shake it, right? Mm. Even like over about a three year period where it would kind of die down. And then I would turn a corner and get passionate about something else. There was always that nagging thing. What about Denver? What about planting a church to reach lost people? What are you doing about that? And then along the way, people just affirmed in my life, hey, you have some leadership skills. Maybe you have some teaching skills that you maybe need to nurture. And I never, I never really thought about it after until people said that. And that was another confirmation that I, I wasn't chasing this, but God was unveiling this for me. And so, but along the way you just see fruit. And also my passion for worship, I've walked away from it for about six months now and I haven't looked back. Uh, I still have my guitars just in case this doesn't work out. (laughs) Well, it's funny you mentioned that, Justin, we're going to ask you to close us with a song today. (laughs) (laughs) So that's uh, I'm, I'm hoping it, it, this does work out and I can, we can sell this guitars that my wife wants me to keep it a couple <laughs> to, and give to our kids one day, but uh, I don't miss it. Right. You know, it and I think, I think too, we have to, if our passions and desires and interests meet up with God's word, right. That's probably what he's asking you to do. That's probably yep. what you're called to do. And, and another kind of, um, worldly question, not worldly, but a, a question that we ask in kind of our circles is if if money wasn't an option and uh, uh, failure wasn't an option, what would you do? And someone asked me that two years ago. And I said, probably planning a church out in Denver. Justin, that's probably what you need to do. Yeah. And so good, good that's question. what I would say. Yeah.
1: And you know what, that, that may be the question that somebody listening needed to hear today. Um, that's, it's something to think about and, and where your, your passions and gifts line up with God's word. Justin, your story is so encouraging, inspiring. And, uh, I know, uh, speaking for Andy, I know we have really enjoyed getting to know you more and seeing God use you, uh, has just been an encouragement. So I know those listening today have been encouraged and equipped to lead in the local church, but we just want to say thank you so much for joining
2: us. Thank you. Yeah. It's been great guys. Thank you.
0: Yeah. We appreciate your time, Justin, and and we look forward to maybe a follow-up episode on down the road after you kind of uh, get some traction. And once uh, things from COVID allow us to, to see God use you to start gathering people, we're, we're, we're going to follow
2: up on that. That's going to be That's awesome. That's
1: right. Can't wait to hear some hey, of the awesome successes and bitter failures.
2: <laughs> I know. And if anybody anybody listening to this has the Spirit of God just tugging on their heart to say, hey, I want to be a part of that. Uh, find out a way to get in touch with us because we are w- wanting and praying for every day we pray at 1002 that God would send us laborers, uh, raise up laborers because the harvest is plenty and the laborers are few. So we need mm-hmm. laborers, uh, indigenous people and people from out of the state to come and, and just reach people. So if, that, if that's you, uh, find a way to reach out.
1: Yeah, if you want to be a part of that and what God's doing through Justin and the work there in Colorado, uh, we're going to put his contact information in the show notes. So go to churchleadershippodcast.com, check out the show notes, and uh, you'll be able to get in touch with him and and be on his team. I know know he would love that. So thank you guys for listening. Justin, thanks for being on the show, and we'll see you next time.
2: Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app.